Hello and welcome to the first episode of As Yet Unexplained. In this six-part series, we will be looking at the stories behind some of the most famous mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal and unexplained. In today's episode, we will be looking at the story of the Bell Witch Haunting. Is there any truth behind this 1817 legend? If you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing, or even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. The Bell Witch Haunting, a 19th century legend from Southern American folklore. This enigmatic tale is centered on the Bell family of Northwest Robertson County, Tennessee. John Bell Sr., according to legend, and his family were subject to supernatural phenomenon and attacks from 1817 through to 1821. Of Bells and Bats With the birth of their first child, Jesse, John and Lucy Bell began a family. In the years that followed, John and Lucy had three more sons, John Jr., Drury, and Benjamin. All went well until the 1801 and 1804 crop seasons, when their crops failed and they subsequently decided to move westward. In 1804, the Bells would make the arduous trek with 10 other families from Edgecombe County in North Carolina to Red River, Tennessee, finally settling on the outskirts of Nashville in the town of Adams. Another of the migrating families that had also made the move from North Carolina was the Bats family. With plenty of dedication and toil over the next few years, the Bells had become successful farmers and were highly respected by the small community, and John had even become an elder of the Red River Baptist Church. Frederick Batts had had an accident and was seriously injured. This invariably resulted in Frederick spending the rest of his life disabled. Due to Frederick's inability to work, the financial situation of the family became desperate. And as a result, his hand was forced into selling portions of his land and property in order for him and his family to survive. Portions of this land was purchased by John Bell, and this led to a series of accusations and allegations perpetrated by both families. This scandal would arise in the mid-1810s and would call the character of John Bell into question. Frederick's wife Kate had first accused Bell of taking advantage of her husband's situation, as it was revealed that he had bought the land for much less than it was worth. In her rage, Kate swore to Bell that she would make him and his family pay for the injustice. Further problems were to occur for Bell, as he had also purchased a slave girl from Frederick's brother, Benjamin. 
Belle observed and felt that the girl was too young to take with him at the time of her purchase, and decided to leave the slave with her mother for a time. When Belle felt that enough time had passed and went to collect the slave, Benjamin had altered the terms of the agreement, as it was his considered feeling that the slave was worth more than Belle had already paid for her. Belle eventually sold the girl back to Benjamin for more than the purchase price. After this fiasco, it was Belle's opinion that the matter was closed. Unbeknownst to Belle, Batts had fired a lawsuit against him for extortion. The court sided with Benjamin, as Bell did not attend the hearing due to the fact that he was unaware of the existence of the lawsuit. Bell protested the ruling, but it would lead to his excommunication. Kate Batts had now become the prominent member of her family due to her husband's inability to fulfil his role as head of the household. It was said that Kate had become boisterous and spiteful and was easily disliked by others in the community. None of the locals dared to confront Kate directly, and most people avoided her if possible. Kate had also exhibited some questionable behaviour in church, which led members of the community to think that she may be practising witchcraft, and that her husband's disability was linked to this witchcraft by way of a punishment from God. The Witch It was 1817 when, after his excommunication, Bell decided to go hunting on his own land. It was during this excursion that he first encountered a strange creature. He described the strange beast as having the body of a large dog, the head of a rabbit, and was covered in black fur. Bell was scared of this unknown beast that stood before him, and he opened fire on it with his musket. After the smoke had cleared, he looked for the creature to further examine it, but could find it nowhere. In fact, there was no trace of the beast at all. Bell was shocked at the events and decided that he did not want to alarm his family and kept the events of what happened to himself. It would appear that this was only the start of the day's strange activities, as that same evening, when the Bell family settled in for the night, a loud knocking outside the house occurred that sounded like stones being thrown at the exterior of the walls. It subsequently appeared that the knocking was happening along the doors and walls of the house. The family went out to investigate, but found no obvious source for the sounds. Although no perpetrators were caught, it was thought by Bell that this was all the work of the Bats family. After those experiences, the family retired to bed, where some of them heard strange sounds of gnawing and scratching on their beds, invisible dogs fighting and chains being dragged along the floor. It appears that the legend of the Bell Witch 
had been born. In the subsequent days following, the strange knocking sound was accompanied by insistent tapping and banging, both inside and outside of the house. Within the walls of the home, the faint sounds of an old woman singing could be heard. All these events were investigated by the family, but the sources of the noises could never be found. It would appear that when the hauntings began in earnest, John and his teenage daughter Betsy were the main targets of the entity's anger, which had now escalated to physical attacks. The unknown force pinched, slapped, and struck the pair with pins. Bed covers were torn off their beds with extreme force, and Betsy's hair was pulled until it ripped out. It was also Betsy that experienced the terrible event whereby she was awoken in the night by the same familiar scratching sounds, but had found that her hair had been tied in knots around the headboard and bedposts. As she was in this prone position, she was struck several times by an unseen assailant. The family rushed in to find Betsy with red hand-shaped welts all over her face. Unfortunately, it was not long before the youngest members of the family would also show the same hand-shaped welts on their legs and faces. It was also around this time that John Bell had begun to experience a strange paralysis in his mouth. It was John's wish that the family kept the events quiet as he did not wish to tarnish the family name. They began praying together and over the next few weeks visual apparitions began to appear. The slaves reported seeing strange birds, animals and being followed by a large black dog. It was claimed by some of the observers that some of the apparitions could talk Until this point, the family had mostly been dealing with an invisible entity, but this was to change. With each passing day, the ghostly female voice became stronger and spoke freely with anyone in the house. John's son, Drury Bell, approached a massive bird that was perched on a fence that flew off and was of an extraordinary size. Whilst walking in a field, Betsy saw the ghostly form of a girl in a green dress hanging by her hands from a tree limb before fading away without a trace. The family were naturally scared and initially did not tell a soul about the occurrences, but eventually John confided in a neighbour who came to the house and was the first outsider to experience the events firsthand. The family friend, James Johnson, visited the family at their home as soon as they arrived. They prayed with them to rid the house of the evil presence. Johnson claimed that whilst he stayed there, he was awakened that night by the same phenomenon that the family had claimed to experience. The following morning, he told John Bell it was a spirit, just like in the Bible, and the disembodied voice was heard to say, Kate, Kate. 
After several nights and attempts at trying to cleanse the home, Johnson advised John to reach out to the wider community. Following the events, word of the haunting spread with some people travelling great distances to the house in order to see the purported witch. Many people came to the Bell family home to witness the poltergeist activity. The entity, who was initially quiet, would later have no qualms about making its presence known. It especially made its feelings towards John Bell apparent. The entity began to talk out loud and was asked the question, Who are you and what do you want? And the voice answered, I am spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. The spirit offered many reasons why it had appeared, one being that its origin was due to the disturbance of a Native American burial mound located on the property. The entity had also sent Drew Bell and Bennett Porter on a search for buried treasure, which was never found. The entity became capable of full, lengthy conversations, and it repeated two sermons, word for word, that were given 30 miles apart, that were performed at the same time. It appears the entity was acquainted with biblical text, and would participate in theological arguments. News of this strange phenomena reached future United States President and Army General Andrew Jackson. Jackson decided that he would take a small band of men to the Bell home, and he and his small troop will set up camp there. It was claimed that one of the troops were bragging about how he had brought along silver bullets and was fully intending to use them to slay the entity. At this, the wheels of the wagon they were travelling on seized up and refused to move despite efforts from the men and horses. The small band of men were almost about to abandon the wagon and return to Nashville. It is said that Jackson supposedly apologised for the behaviour of the soldier and immediately after this, the troop wagon began to move freely. It was the intention of the troops to stay for several nights on the Bell property, but the group returned to Nashville after only one. Unfortunately, there is no written record of the events but it has been said that Jackson stated he would rather face the whole of the British Army than spend another night at the Bell House. John Johnson, one of James Johnson's sons, decided to devise a test. He would ask the witch something no one but his family's inner circle would know. He asked the entity what his Dutch step-grandmother in North Carolina would say to the slaves if she thought they did something wrong. The witch proceeded to reply with his grandmother's accent. Hut tut, what has happened now? At times the entity was capable of a form of kindness. This was mainly displayed towards Lucy. In 1820, Lucy was diagnosed with a severe case of pleurisy and inflammation of the lining of the lungs, and it was looking increasingly likely that she was not going to make it through the illness. Lucy was bedridden, and Kate would often sing comforting gospel hymns, 
and would also leave hazelnuts and grapes on her bed, materialising them from thin air. Lucy's condition improved and she made a complete recovery. But as Lucy's health began to improve, her husband's was rapidly declining. The witch described Lucy as the most perfect woman to walk the earth. The witch would often refer to John Bell Sr. as Old Jack and claimed she intended to kill him and reiterated this intention through curses, threats and afflictions. In spite of the upheaval and continuing ghostly activity, the Bell family tried to live normal lives. Betsy got engaged to a local farmer, but the spirit did not like the fiancé and increased her persecution of Betsy. The intensity became so great that Betsy had to break off the engagement. The Death of John Bell On December the 20th, 1820, after an unexplained sickness, John Bell was found dead in bed. Family members found next to his deathbed a strange bottle. A strange pungent scent was coming from Bell's mouth, and the vial with an unknown cloudy liquid was giving off the same odour. They gave a drop of the liquid contained within to the family cat. It is said that the cat immediately convulsed and died. They quickly threw the small bottle into the fireplace, where it shattered and supposedly shot an eerie flame up the chimney. Speculation ran rife through the community, with many people believing that Lucy was responsible for his death. When this was suggested, the disembodied voice of Kate was said to have stated that I fixed his medicine last night, and I gave him a big dose of it. You'll never get out of that bed again. For the first time in United States history, an actual documented death was blamed on a supernatural entity. This was by no means the end of the entity's activities, as it travelled to John's burial service, where it sang drinking songs, laughed and cursed his memory. She further tormented friends and family. After the funeral, the activity began to diminish. Kate had achieved her goal of tormenting and killing John, and the family believed her to be gone for good. It is said that in 1821, Betsy Bell received a proposal of marriage from a respected man named Joshua Gardner. Betsy claimed that she once again saw the apparition of the little girl swinging in the tree, who warned Betsy not to marry the man. Betsy still feared the entity and did not want to take any chances, 
so Betsy broke off the engagement and Gardner moved away from the area. The entity announced shortly after the funeral that it would be leaving but would return twice in the future, in both 1828 and 1935. It is said that in 1828 it did return for several weeks to Lucy and her sons Richard and Joel with similar activities as before, but they chose not to encourage it and the witch appeared to leave again. As far as is known, nothing occurred in 1935. Points of interest Today nothing remains of the Bell Witch haunting except the witness descriptions and the land that was the Bell's farm is still farmland today, although the family home was pulled down a long time ago. Are the events of the Bell Witch haunting genuine or a product of myth and folklore? With only witness accounts and many articles being published throughout the years, is it a case of legend and myth being mistaken for fact and real events? Or did a strange entity plague the Bell family until the death of John Bell? There are other connections throughout the story that can be verified using various genealogical sites and associated documentation. These items reveal small, interesting details like the fact that Lucy Bell was the youngest sister of a Mr. John Williams Jr. This individual was the father of none other than Kate Williams Bats. Could John Bell's death have been the result of a not-too-complex conspiracy between Kate and Lucy? It could go some way to explaining why Lucy was practically left alone by the entity and in fact taken great care of when she was critically ill. Kate Batts was reported as alive in the 1830 census, so the idea that it was her spirit that was haunting the family can be ruled out and would point more towards a mischievous entity or a crafted human hoax. It is reported on a regular basis that the site of the old house is still host to strange goings-on, and the very ground that it sat on is still cursed. Unfortunately, time has eroded away any chance of finding out the truth behind this collection of events, and we will have to make do with this amazing tale. Links to our Facebook page and email address are in our bio and in the show notes, so feel free to get in touch, tell us how we are doing, and even suggest future episodes that we can cover. Next week, we will be delving into the first of our two-part look at the UFO sightings of 1978. Thanks for listening.
My name is Richard Daniels. 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 And I am the archivist for the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is a publication dedicated to exploring some of the strangest and most bizarre locations across the country, where hauntings, curses, cryptids and more have all been reported. I am now custodian of its archive and I'm gradually exploring many of the lost files in order to re-release them. You can find the case files which are now available at occultariaofalbion.com The Occultaria of Albion can also be found on YouTube and as a podcast. Go deeper and join the fan club for exclusive content. Go to patreon.com forward slash occultaria. Remain vigilant and remember the wolves of weird are loose.